Well, good morning, everyone. I'll just adjust this little thing here and say thank you to uh, the praise team. My goodness, that was just beautiful and uh, wonderful. Jordan, your vocals are stunning and the... Uh, capture the, the, the whole group, captures the meaning and, and expresses it so well. My mother passed away almost exactly 27 years ago. I've wanted her to come back on occasion, read me a story, talk. I, was, I wish she could have come back and heard Dean's comments. It would have pleased her <laughs> to no end. <laughs> <laughs> to hear that. And uh, while well, those that know me would have said, well, you know, on the other hand, my mother would have said, amen. <laughs> all that. But thank you, Dean. That was uh, beyond what anything one might deserve. And I'm grateful for those words. Well, good morning to you all, future friends and colleagues, current friends and colleagues, brothers and sisters all here at the 4th Avenue Church of Christ in beautiful Franklin, Tennessee. I'm David Fleer, and I'm grateful to be with you as your interim minister beginning today and then over the next few months. I hope to bring to 4th Avenue through this interim a time of encouragement and a time of focus as we transition from the good and the productive work of Patrick Mead to a new season of effective ministry for the whole church. And in this transition, I hope that you will experience a time of refreshment, of insight, of growth, and even of motivation, that the preaching will not only provide consistency but move us into the worlds that are envisioned in Scripture so that we can go to these texts and stay in these texts long enough for meaning to surface. And the discernment committee, the search committee, will become colleagues and friends over the course of the next several months, trusting one another like they've never trusted before. And they will find, in their serious work together and with Trello's help, some of the most meaningful work of their Christian lives, nothing short of invigorating. And so I am grateful to join you on this journey that lies before us, together anticipating a good result. I look forward to working with you, Nancy, and the whole discernment team. Nancy's the chair. Chris, I look forward to working with you. He's the liaison for the elders and all of the shepherds. And the ministry staff, it has been my pleasure to know several before now. Dean, of course. Dean mentioned the student-teacher relationship. I kind of remember us more as co-creators. I would invite him in. I taught a graduate class in preaching, still do, and I would invite Dean in. Did it two or three times in the three-hour course on Monday or Tuesday night. I would invite Dean in. I gave him the simple assignment. I said, Dean. Would you please tell us what you did in preparation for last Sunday's sermon? And then give us a, you know, 
little pieces of the sermon. I threw him the marker and he went to the whiteboard and he just wrote on the board all the steps that he took to prepare for the sermon. And then at the end of the hour, he gave us little snippets from the sermon. And the students were taking notes as fast as I could. And when the hour was over, he tossed the marker back to me. And I stood up and with one hand, I pointed to the whiteboard and with the other hand, I pointed to Dean and I said to the students, this is the gold standard. Now go and do likewise. And he never disappointed. And I did not. I said those words and it was no flattery whatsoever. And I had, and I went back just this week, I was calling through some old files, throwing, tossing, tossing, keep, and I came across a file of the list of students that I had for an undergraduate preaching course. It was several years ago, and in that group, and I remembered them as the best, the finest undergrads that I had had at Lipscomb University. That class was the finest class in 13 years, and there were the names. It was Lauren King and Evan Richardson. I thought about them this week. I thought about them as students. And then Lauren and Evan would come back to that undergrad class. Last uh, time that we met as a class, the students would preach. And at Lauren, so oftentimes they would invite friends and colleagues to hear the preaching at the end of the semester. Lauren and Evan showed up on two or three occasions. Oh, of course, they had interns that were preaching, I, I would come to find out, but they would make comments to all the students that were so insightful and so helpful. And then when I heard just a month or two ago that my current students from this last semester, Kaya Coleman and Grayson Borders, they told me that they are working as interns at Fourth Avenue <laughs> with Evan and the whole ministry staff. I could not have been happier knowing what kind of mentoring they would be having here with you. I have a long and positive history with so many of you, Trace and Holly Hebert, a quarter century, go back a quarter century, and Bill and Donna Wright and I worked together with a new church plant that had the blessings of local congregations up there in southeast, Minnesota, southeast Michigan about 20 years ago, and it was a wonderful experience. And Mike Williams, who's my colleague at Lipscomb University, before the undergrads get into the preaching course, they have to take the prerequisite. NTX, they call it. New Testament exegesis, they call it. How to navigate scripture is what I call it. And I trust Williams. I trust the work that he does. And I trust the students that have been under his tutelage before I ever see him. And I miss other friends and colleagues, brothers and sisters among you. So it's my honor to serve with you as your interim ministers. Transition. It's a time of transition, clearly. We lost our preacher, and I hope that I will be a bridge to, here's your new preacher. I hope you're happy to see me. I hope. But I know you'll be happier to see me go than you are to see me come, because when I go, here will be the beginning of the next season of this congregation's life. And so in this transition, my prayer is that it's not just a transition, but it's a time for transformation. And our sermon this morning will fit into the larger theme of our time together. In the weeks ahead, a general theme that will revolve, will revolve around what matters most. 
That's not an exact quotation from the Bible. The Bible lays it out directly this way. It'll talk about the greatest commandment and the second that's like unto it. It'll talk about the weightiest matters, those things of first importance. It will say, he has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require? The general theme of the big things. What counts? The imperatives. What's paramount? What's front page? What's, what stands out? What's really significant here? That will be our general theme in this season of preaching. And so our sermon this morning, this inaugural sermon for 2021 at the 4th Avenue Church of Christ in beautiful Franklin, Tennessee, I've given it the title, What We're Looking For in 2021, Fellowship, Forgiveness, and Love. I was pressured into that title on Monday. Lori needed it on Monday, and so I came up with it. I struggled with it all week, and when I was driving to church this morning, I thought, that's a terrible title. I wish I'd come up with a different title. I haven't come up with it yet. At the end, maybe we'll have it, but I'm close. It's close. <laughs> what we're looking for in 2021, what I hope we're looking for, what I want us to be looking for. Well, if you want a takeaway passage for our sermon this morning, the one I offer, and you can take it or leave it, is from the collection of wisdom literature in the Bible, specifically the Proverbs, more specifically chapter 15 and verse 17. I don't want you to turn there. Normally, I would encourage you to turn in your Bibles to a particular passage that we'll be working with, but I don't want you to turn there this morning. Don't turn to Proverbs 15, 17. I might encourage you on occasion to look at your electronic device and look up the passage. I'll give you the passage, and you'll look it up, but I don't want you to look up. Do not look up Proverbs 15, verse 17, and I asked Lori not to put it on the screen even because it would take too much time to read it. I don't want you to turn or read. I just want you to listen. Just listen. It's such a short text. We don't have time to turn. don't have time to read. We just have time to listen. And here is the text. Better. Better a meal of herbs where love is than the fatted ox and hatred with it. That's a proverb. 15, verse 17. It's a different kind of literature. It's not often heard in our pulpits. It's not. Proverbs is not often consulted in the, in the sermon. It's located in this deserted stretch of highway between <laughs> Psalms and Ecclesiastes. Oh, you'll hear s- sermons from the Psalms. You heard it quoted today, and appropriately so, in our communion meditation. Or a sermon from Psalm 23. Who hasn't heard that sermon? The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. Or Ecclesiastes. There is a time for every season, a time to mourn, a time to dance, and so on and so forth. But seldom do you ever hear a sermon from one of the Proverbs. Most preachers in their studies skip right past Proverbs on their way to somewhere else to preach a sermon. Why, just this week there in Nashville, Tennessee, where I make my home, preacher down the road from me here in Nashville had decided not to preach from Proverbs. Why, I said. He said, oh, it doesn't relate to my people. I need something that's relevant, something that's practical, something that'll stick to their bones, he said. He said that Wednesday morning. And then he went on to pick his sermon text from somewhere else. 
On noon that Wednesday this week, after avoiding the irrelevant Proverbs, he left his office there, his church office, where he adjusted the little plaque on his desk that says, do justice, love kindness. He got into his car. You can tell this preacher's car. It's a Beamer, but, the, but that's not what's most notable. It's the bumper sticker on the back. It says, Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. He drove out of the church parking lot. You know exactly where this church is. It's the one that's right beneath the billboard. Uh, it's the shoe advertisement. I forget the name of the brand of the shoe. It's got the swoosh. It says, just do it. And then he went to visit the parishioner who's in the retirement home. He couldn't go in because of COVID, but he met her at the window. They were on their cell phones. As he looked at her, he couldn't help but notice this big, beautiful poster in the back of her room behind her. It's a, a, a flower that's breaking through the sidewalk and the, the words underneath say, bloom where you're planted. And he thought about that as they talked on the phone. He was going to take the time to go visit his deacon, the deacon who's the real estate agent. has been troubling him for some time because the plaque on the deacon's real estate office where he works, it's troublesome. His plaque says, everyone has his price. And they need to talk, though they didn't this week. There was service at his church on Wednesday night. They gathered wearing masks, of course. There was no singing, but they had study. And afterwards, a college student returning from UT Knoxville came up to talk. He had been talking with the student long distance, talking to his folks, what was going to happen this next term. And he said, what have you decided? Will you go back? And he said, and the student says, no, I'm going to take a gap semester. And he said, really, why? He says, well, like my parents say, the race is not always to the swift. And that night as he was heading out, two women lingering in the foyer, still talking, wearing their masks, all he saw was the eyebrows of the one go up. He hadn't heard the conversation, he just heard the other's response when she says, well, I guess different strokes for different folks. So preoccupied with his lesson in his life, my preacher friend passed the Proverbs with unseen eyes and upturned nose, but they were everywhere. They were on the billboard and the t-shirt and they were on the embossed coffee mugs. They were on bumper stickers and posters everywhere. Conclusion, Proverbs are used constantly by the people who are consistently ignored by the preachers. Proverbs season our discourse. Proverbs pepper our Bible. About the only place you won't find a proverb is in a sermon on Sunday morning, but not this Sunday morning. We're launching our year with the proverb, better a meal of herbs where love is than the fatted ox and hatred with it. It's not that we haven't tried proverbs before. I think everyone in this room discovered either by themselves or with somebody else's help. Hey, look at this. There's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. Hey, not only that, but several months have 31 days. Why? We could read a Proverb chapter a day and get through the whole book in a month. Yes, let's do it. We do. We started on the first, and now it's the third, and we're tomorrow will be chapter four, and we'll get through January, and we'll have to double up a couple days for February. By March, we'll get tired and long for the Gospels and give it up. There's always some confusion about whether the proverb is in the Bible or not. We're troubled by that. Let me give you a little quiz. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. Where did I find that? 
Was that poor Richard's Almanac? Or Proverbs 25, verse 11? I'll let you work on it. How about wait for the Lord and he will help you? Did I get that out of a Hallmark card? Or is that Proverbs 20, verse 22? Or finally, love not sleep lest you come to poverty. Is that found in a fortune cookie? Or is that Proverbs 20, 13? Oh, no matter, you say. Well, I don't know about all that. All I know is that our proverb is 1517, and it says, better a meal of herbs with love than the fatted ox and hatred with it. The reality is that the proverb, whether biblical or modern, will capsulize reality. It'll frame the truth. It will do so in a memorable and a portable way. And so you hear, oh gosh, did you hear their marriage is breaking up? Really? Who's at fault? I don't know. Takes two to tango. What? You're sleeping in till noon? Don't you know? Early to bed, early to rise makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. Coach, my legs are really tired. Get back in there. No pain, no gain. Of course, the trick is to match the proverb with our life. Better a meal of herbs where love is than the fatted ox and hatred with it is moving in two directions. It's moving into our past and it's moving into our future to give us some help to live in the present. Many proverbs are created not just to answer what are we going to do here, but also to address the question what is going on? For instance, you've maybe have some terrible neighbors, difficult neighbors, troubled neighbors who are acting irresponsibly. Some of them have just spent thousands of dollars in get-rich-quick schemes. Others have bought swamp property in Georgia. Others are spending their life savings at the dog track. Some are buying rounds for their friends at the tavern. Others are quickly loaning out their money to relatives. What's going on here? A fool and his money are soon parted. Let's talk a bit about our proverb. Proverbs 15, verse 17. Notice the format. Better is a meal of herbs where love is than the fatted ox and hatred with it. It's a better saying. This is better than that. The teacher has framed reality for us with two options drawn from the family table. Herbs are better than fatted ox when herbs are accompanied by love and the fatted ox is accompanied by hatred. It's not a cholesterol verdict. It's not a diet he's recommending here for us. A little with love is better than a lot with hatred. There's no menu here. This is a lifestyle. This is a standard of living where people have time for one another, where people and relationships are valued over every other thing. Oh, better a meal of herbs where love is than the fatted ox and hatred with it. I know this is a funny sermon, an unusual sermon, I should say, because you're preaching it ahead of me. Because these proverbs are implying stories, stories from our everyday lives, from the past, and stories for us to live into in 2021 and beyond. Better a meal of herbs where love is comes to mind the table set with the simplest of food 
but surrounded by people, people who have easy laughter, people who ask about you. So how are you doing? Tell me about your family who look you in the eye. They look you in the eye when they speak, as opposed to the banquet table that is complete with silver and crystal and ice sculpture and waiters and watchful attendants, and it's the finest meats, but it's served with gloomy hatred and no laughter and cold conversation. There's no affection, nobody hugs, nobody touches, and the fatted ox and hatred with it. There's a man, a man who's in his mid-80s. He's your grandfather. He says he has something he wants to say to you. He has something he wants to say, but he wants to invite you over for dinner, just you. It's not the meal you would have gotten when grandma was still alive. There's instant coffee, the pull-apart bread, the Kroger plastic-wrapped meat, sliced peppers from his garden, and iceberg lettuce. You sit down at the table, he's kind of brushed it off, and there are the plastic mustard and ketchup, the salt and pepper, the Tabasco sauce. He says, will you say grace? And in the middle of the meal, he stands up abruptly, abruptly and he goes to the corner where a secret place where he has the things that matter hidden, stored away, and he wants you to know, especially you to know. And he tells you a couple stories you haven't heard him tell before. They're intimate and they're personal. And they are communicating to you that he loves you. And when the evening ends, there's a warm embrace and you leave. And as you walk away, you realize better is a meal of herbs where love is. I'm thinking of a young couple they're newly married, newly married. They have a card table that doubles for their dining room table, the little fold-up card tables. And she set it real nice, the table. She only knows one dish, it's tuna casserole, peeled carrots, tap water, a rummage sale candle flickering on the center of the table, and in the corner is a record player playing their favorite album. And 50 years later, they will call that experience their first sweetheart banquet because they know better is a meal of herbs where love is. I think of special friends. I think of small groups and special gatherings. I think of potlucks at church. I think of what might be in store for this congregation in 2021. Better is a meal of herbs where love is than the fatted ox and hatred with it. I can see a communion scene, an image painted at the end of the movie, Places in the Heart. It's a story shot through with adultery and racism and a lynching and financial shenanigans. But in the closing scene, the characters, both dead and alive, are gathered in a small rural church where they take communion and as the emblems are being passed from one to the other, they say to each other, the peace of God be with you. Better a meal of herbs where love is. But on the other hand, I can recall the strained wedding rehearsal dinner 
The bride's parents bitterly opposed to the marriage. The groom's folks divorced, now together at the table for the first time in years. Oh, it's a lush spread, but hatred with the fatted ox takes everybody's appetite away. Or the husband and the wife who enter the sleek property where the maitre d' welcomes the couple with words spoken in a foreign language. The waiter offers a stunning array of wines. Seated on the roof terrace, the cityscape, a pianist at the Steinway. They dine on a main course of saffron, fettuccine, and rabbit sugo. Cinnamon, grilled kale, mustard, breadcrumbs. But before the dessert is served, the man informs his wife that there's someone else, that for months he's been seeing a girlfriend. And as the French, French pressed coffee with the Java mocha cakes with their chocolate melted center comes, the coffee grows cold because the couple no longer has an appetite. He says, he doesn't think he'll be coming home that night. He says he'll probably be staying elsewhere that night. And she knows better is a meal of herbs where love is. Or they gather at the family's favorite restaurant where they've celebrated every graduation and anniversary and birthday for a decade where dad always picks up the tab. But this time the son who for years has hidden his sexual orientation from his family and even from himself comes out, but instead of affirming the family's love and loyalty, the dad responds with stony silence. And I remember, and you do too, when Judas slipped away from the table and disappeared into the darkness. Better is a meal of herbs where love is than the fatted ox and hatred with it. This is a strange parable to our ears. Maybe you're saying, I've heard enough. This is not a proverb for a 21st century American, certainly not one that we would write. In fact, in Americans, as Americans, we would like to deconstruct this proverb. First, let's work on the language. Remove that word hatred. It's so off-putting. And then let's create some more options. Obviously, instead of either or, how about good, better, and best? (laughs) And the best being love and filet mignon. Well, you've already, I don't need to say that because you thought that five minutes ago. But the teacher says no. The teacher says either or. Better, a meal of herbs where love is than the fatted ox and hatred with it. And there's a reason you won't find this proverb on any billboard in town. It's not on anybody's attitude apparel t-shirt. It's not embossed on the coffee mug. The bumper stickers on our cars reveal a very different attitude. The pickup that says, he who with the most to- dies, who dies with the most toys wins. Or the refrigerator art, more discreetly, picture yourself in Cancun and the other voices that are always asking us to take on the extra job so that we can secure the condo in Fort Walton Beach. Proverbs 1517 is an anti-consumer proverb. It's an anti-acquisition proverb. You have two choices as a Christian in America. It's either A or B. This little proverb 
is one way to fight against the ever-present voices that are asking us to upgrade, to expand, to buy, to acquire. The pop-up ads that come on our computer screens, television's never-ending commercials, even during the game, have created an illusion that we need this, that we need that, a request that we invest our lives to get it. It's the American conspiracy that the more you have, the happier you will be. Proverbs 15, 17 says, not so. Proverbs 15, 17 is one way to fight the oppressive have-it-all philosophy. So maybe we should print this passage and magnetize it and put it on our refrigerator. Better a meal of herbs where love is and the fatted ox and hatred with it. Print it and tape it to our bathroom mirror so every morning when you're putting on your makeup or shaving, you can be reminded of how to set the course for the day. Better a meal of herbs where love is and the fatted ox and hatred with it. This portable, memorable piece of Scripture is meant to steady us, to help us ward off despair. For 2020 and for the remaining years of our lives, as individuals and as a church, this proverb reminds us of how it should be, how we remember it when it was its best. For our choices in the days to come, all day, every day, what will it be, people or things, time or money, home or business, and you can't deconstruct it. Better a meal of herbs where love is than the fatted ox and hatred with it. This is reality capsulized. This is truth framed. It's memorable, it's portable, and it answers the question, what's going on here? And what are we supposed to do? This is scripture. This is the word of God. It captures our reality from the past and it asks us to look into the future. What will the next table look like? Where will we take our places? What will be the setting? What will be the food? What will be the ambiance? What will be the thread count in the linen tablecloth? Fine china? Or will it be people, faith, love, concern, forgiveness? Will we be wise? Will we walk away with full stomachs and empty hearts? Or will we savor the moment and live into the experience? The future begins when you remember what you have unintentionally memorized during the course of this sermon, a text you didn't need to look up. You didn't need to read it because now you know it. Better is a meal of herbs where love is and the fatted ox and hatred with it. And now that you've memorized it, it's time to internalize it. It's time to live it out. Thank you for listening.
And may God bless us in living in to this proverb and living in to this coming new year as the Fourth Avenue Church of Christ.